Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Neighborhood Conversations, where we talk about inspirational things with different community leaders who are doing amazing things in community. And today we have the amazing Tyler Colbert. Tyler is an amazing individual, a leader, someone who I respect, a community, a friend, a friend I can call on anytime. Um, and he's also the executive director of Healthy Minds Cooperative. And we're so happy to have him here today. Tyler, how are you? Good. I'm uh, sitting here at my office in downtown Punamukatijik, or colonially known as Dartmouth. And it's a gorgeous day. The water looks great. It's sunny outside. I'm a little tired, but um, yeah, doing all right. That's good. That's good. And it's Thursday. And yeah. tomorrow is National Truth and Reconciliation Day. So uh, happy National Truth and Reconciliation Day, everyone who's going to go there to um, continue to advocate and continue to stay strong. Um, so, yeah, you're wearing your orange. You are wearing your yeah. orange today. So <laughs> yeah. That, that's good. Our representation there. Um, so, Tyler, thank you so much again for coming on to the Neighborhood Conversations today. Um, and today, this conversation is going to be focused on well-being, um, also learning a little bit more about Healthy Minds Cooperative and all mm -hmm. that good stuff. And so, bits of both, but we're going to get into the conversation and, and sure. start from somewhere. But tell us about the work you are currently doing in community. That's not sure. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm executive director of Healthy Minds Cooperative. So when I think about the work I'm doing in community, that's like the primary thing that comes up for me. And when I think about community, I'm like thinking about it beyond just geographic location. I'm thinking about people and identities and like um, causes and movements. And see, I've been in this role for two years almost. And so we're a consumer cooperative focused on mental health and wellness um, and services and programs for people who experience barriers related to mental health and wellness and also their loved ones. Um, aside from that, um, I'm doing other work in community. I volunteer a fair bit. Uh, I'm really passionate about social justice, decolonization, climate adaptation, restorative justice as well. I'm a facilitator there um, for a local organization. And throughout my career, I've done all kinds of different things. You know, um, I'm a social worker. Uh, but before that, you know, I've worked in tourism as a flight attendant. I've worked on tall ships. I've worked as a mental health outreach worker, youth worker. I've worked in shelters. I've been a bartender. Uh, I've done a bunch of different things, marketing communications. And I think no matter what your role is or where you're situated in community, you can make a difference. Um, wow. It doesn't matter if you're, you know, working in a sales position for a telecommunications company or working at the library or, you know, doing door-to-door -door sales or anything. I think we all have the ability to make a difference. Um, some positions and roles are maybe better positioned to do it. But for the most part, I believe that everyone has an opportunity to, to be contributing to a better community. Uh, I like that. Um, I, I like that you, 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 you've play different roles in different industries. I always say it's not about the title, it's what you do with the title and how mm -hmm. you make that title come alive or how you make that role come alive with your personality. Um, and that stands out and similar to what you just said. Um, and so that's really amazing. Um, mm -hmm. It's uh, so much things that we do for community. We always have to look at our well-being and looking at our work-life balance and stuff like that. And that has been so important for leaders, executive directors for the past few months. I've been seeing that lately on social media about executive directors talking about rest, 
burnout, mm. like it's and all that stuff, and, and, and knowing how to provide space to say, hey, we're humans as well, and, and stuff like that. And so, speaking from your point of view as an executive director, what does work life balance of you? And yeah, let's go into that conversation. Yeah, <laughs> what does it look like? It looks messy. Um, <laughs> I'm, I feel really fortunate to be able to uphold strong boundaries around work-life balance. And I think it's really important to acknowledge that most things in life require a form of work, you know, from brushing your teeth to making your dinner, to walking the dog, to like dealing with conflict and interpersonal relationships. That's all a form of work. It's just unpaid a lot of the time. And so we live in a world where some types of work are really valued and, and compensated. And then other forms of work are not. And so there's like the personal work that we do at home, the work we do with our loved ones, the work we do in caretaking for others. um, That's often like undervalued. And we have to do that in contrast to our paid labor a lot of the times. And so I'm, you know, I struggle with work-life balance because so much of my hope for a better world is tied to my identity and my role. Yeah. So being an executive director, you know, I'm, it's so much more than just doing administration and finances and human resources and marketing and business development. It's connected to better outcomes for mental health and wellness and community in our province and in Canada. And so it's kind of hard to turn that off. Yeah. And so I'm really good at turning off my work-life balance or turning off my work brain um, for stuff that I have to produce. You know, mm-hmm. I, I try to work my seven-hour day. I try to stay within 35 hours a week. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's really hard to turn the brain off, you know? Yeah. When I see an article or read more about the inequities that are happening, you know, when I think of housing and, mm-hmm. um, you know, food insecurity and income inequality and racism, it's hard to turn the work brain off for that because there's just so many examples in society of where we need to do better. Um, so I, I find work-life balance and balance is an idea kind of difficult. I'm a Libra. So apparently I'm supposed to love balance. I'm really crappy at uh, maintaining it. Yeah. However, um, someone once told me about the idea of harmony versus balance. It's really stuck with me. And the way that I interpreted it when I read it or heard it was that balance is like kind of striving for equilibrium and always going to like a neutral zero point where harmony is recognizing that there's lots of different things that can make life discordant or complicated. Um, and sometimes we just have to meet that. And so I don't strive for balance every single day. What I really strive for over time is like more harmony. And so some weeks I have to work a lot extra um, just because there's funding applications to do reports, et cetera, or there's a crisis um, at work and you just have to do it. And so I try to find that harmony by matching the need, you know, and putting the energy in that's required at the time. And then later, maybe it's a week later, maybe it's a week, you know, a month later, I I try to take more time. An example is I took three weeks off in August um, and had the support of my board to do it and the support of the staff here. Um, And I, I think ideally we'd have more balance in our lives every single day, but it's hard when there's just so much injustice and suffering that we have to respond to. Um, and you can't, it's harder to take care of these issues and respond to them when you're not doing well. So I, I frequently burn out. So I've had lots of significant burnout periods in my life. Um, and, I, and I try to try to resist that as much as possible. Yeah. And that's really important. Um, as you could, like you say, it's a harmony. And how, how are you defining your harmony right now? Like what are you currently doing to, to do that work-life balance? Mm-hmm. Harmony, I would call it. Um, and making sure that you, you um, like you said, you took like three, um, three weeks off, but what else are you doing like, in between just to make sure you don't 
lead to burnout and stuff like that. Mm. For me, it feels really important to live into my values and make sure that I'm not just trying to like make things better for me, but also make things better for others. Yeah. Because um, it, it feels good for me to know that other people are doing well as well. So, you know, we have 16 staff here at HMC, four to five full-timers, depending on the projects that we're working on. Um, but one of the first things I did is gave everyone five weeks vacation. Yeah. You know what I mean? When like increase the sick time. Because I was like, we're in, in nonprofits. We're in the four impact sector. You know, there isn't often a lot of money here. Um, and people should be paid fairly. Don't let me say that without, you know, putting a little asterisk being like, no, we should always be advocating for more. Yeah. Um, but I I want to make sure that other people have similar access to to rest and recovery as that I do. You know, it's just not fair when you see an organization where an executive director gets all this time off, but the staff don't. That just feels really weird to me. Yeah. Um, for me, in terms of like trying to tap into harmony a little bit, you know, I'm in school, I work, I also own a business, you know, I'm engaged in lots of other things. I try to connect into things that bring me joy. So it was my birthday this week, had dinner with some friends. Yeah. I'm trying to draw a lot more and just like sort of sit down and relax as much as possible. Yeah. Um, bake good food, hang out with friends, you know. And I'll say as a queer person, given the rise of anti-2SLGBTQI hate mm. um, and the rise of fascism, it's really hard to find harmony right now. It's really hard to find pause and rest and recovery. And I'm saying that as a cisgender white person, I can only imagine like what my, you know, trans and queer friends and peers are, you know, or people of color, um, black and indigenous specifically, like yeah. I, I'm struggling to find harmony and balance. And I can only imagine what others who face more barriers than I do are, are experiencing at the moment. We're going to take a quick break to listen to some Nova Scotia Works client stories. I look forward to my family's security in the future. That's the main goal as a father. The empowerment from changing careers has really just made me want to get out of bed in the morning. I'm looking forward to growing my business. So I want to hire people like I was hired. I want to give guys that chance. Il me fera plaisir de continuer à travailler avec les immigrants francophones à Nouvelle-Écosse. I am looking forward to the financial freedom that I never had before. And now back to the podcast. Yeah, yeah, it's it's really hard heartbreaking towards especially the queer community. I'm trying to to grab. I saw I deleted a comment, but I I. I I copied and I screenshotted a comment, a negative comment today that was made from someone um, on on that same um, um, campaign on don't don't hate and, and stuff like that. It was really amazing. I'm not gonna talk about that, but it was really eye opening of how society is still thinking. Um, mm-hmm. I see, like this is what we're talking about. This is this is exactly yeah. what we're talking about. You're not accepting us for who we are and stuff like mm-hmm. that. And it's all about when people see the misperception of who you are, and yeah. that's the question. Uh, literally, what is, what's the biggest misperception people have of you? Have of you? Because sometimes mm-hmm. they think that you're perfect as a leader when going into your as ED. They think that you're perfect. They think that you have it all together. They, <laughs> They don't see, they see the, 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 and this is what I tell people, you see the good side of Templeton, but you don't see the struggle side of Templeton. You yeah. Don't see that. Um, but, but I'll be vulnerable to share that Templeton goes through, to, to those struggles and everything. And yeah. Burn up, but like, what, like, what are you, what is your biggest perception? Um, um, people have a, hmm. 
that you may be aware of here? Hmm. That's such an interesting question. And I think so much of it, of my response will be rooted in my own perceptions of other people's perceptions, you know? Um, One of the ones that has come up for me a lot in my life is that people often assume assume I'm an extrovert Mm. because like I can be out in community at parties, at events and gatherings. I'm I'm comfortable speaking in front of large crowds. Uh, For the most part, I've done performance and improv and comedy, Um, but I'm actually an introvert and I have been my whole entire life. And I need a lot of rest and recovery time to, to when I come back from big events and big engagements and, um, and I'm also neurodivergent, you know, ADHD and, um, you know, I also experience mental illness, you know, it's depression, and anxiety. And I think as a young person, I learned how to mask really well, you know, and pretend that I was an extrovert because it served me, it benefited me to do that. Um, so especially in my early twenties, when I was doing community development work and like trying to get into the sector more and more, I often performed extroversion. Um, but I'm, I would say I'm more of an introvert and often score closer to introverts on that scale. So I think it's a misconception, um, about me. Um, I also think when I was younger, because I performed so much extroversion and often like told a lot of jokes and tried to be really funny, I often had people under assuming my intelligence or under assuming what I could contribute because I was a bit of like a jokester. I'm still very jokey and whimsical, but as I get older and now that I have degrees, people take me a little bit more seriously, I think. Uh, uh, yeah. So it's, it's changed over time. Um, I think people often assume that because I'm pretty friendly as well, that I can't be direct or intense. Um, and I really can be, especially if it's around social justice or if someone's harmed someone, like I, I can flip a switch if I have to. Yeah. Um, but I'm also really lucky in that I've shared a lot of who I am online uh, on social media. So I think I'm living pretty authentically and there isn't too many surprises for people. One of the other big misconceptions or misperceptions about me is that uh, people often assume that I don't struggle with mental illness or that I don't have a history of substance use disorder and addiction. Um, and I love dropping that into conversations when say it's around conflict or we met at a community event and people are saying maybe disparaging remarks or things that are critical and negative around people who struggle with addiction or have mental illness. Oh. And I love just being like, well, you're looking at what person who's dealt with those things. Yeah. Um, but I, cause I think people assume that I'm in a position of leadership and community yeah. that maybe I haven't faced those barriers. So or like, I like, like demystifying that a little yeah. bit. Yeah. It's always good to go into conversation with people who, make those um, perceptions and stuff mm-hmm. like that um yeah like it's 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 so important to educate people don't assume but yeah or um, educate yourself and know that not everyone's perfect um yeah and people go through mental health and, and stuff like that speaking about mental health you talked a little bit about um making sure that your employees take rest and make sure that your employees take their well-being um what are um, some of the most effective methods you've used to engage employees in wellness activities? Do you guys do wellness activities or, or, or what wellness activities are happening at, at, mm. at the organization? Yeah. I think it's many organizations when they're trying to, you know, support the health and wellness of their staff, yeah. they add more, yeah. you know? Here's a webinar. Here's a lunch and learn. Here's a, a yeah. one-off experience that's going to either build your knowledge or skill. Um, and I actually think the opposite needs to happen. We need to take things away. Yeah. We need to get take work off people's plates. We need to make sure that they have better conditions around them. And so I mentioned earlier, you know, giving everyone five weeks vacation. 
That was hugely helpful. Increasing people's access to sick time without having to ask for doctor's notes. I think that's really important. Um, Everyone at our organization has lived experience with mental illness and and or addiction or substance use disorder. And so we're we're people who are like authentic and living with barriers right now. And so it's not uncommon for staff to need a lot of time off here, Um, which means you can't be putting too much on people's plates because if people are going to be taking sick time or need a break, you can't be forcing them to do all this extra work and then say, we're trying to help your mental health and wellness. There's a paradox there. There's like a bit of tension. So I think the biggest thing you can do is take things off people's plates and give them more space and more time. Also better pay. Um, In this, in this sector, as I'm sure, you know, and many others know, it's like, we're sold this idea that you're supposed to do it for less money because you care about the better world that you're working towards. Um, And so often I see organizations posting positions, you know, within nonprofit and within here, here in Chibuktuka or Halifax for like $18, $19 an hour. But the local Canadian Center for Policy Alternatives in Nova Scotia has identified that a living wage for this city is actually $26.50. So unless you're making $26.50 at 35 to 40 hours a week, it's very difficult for you to be able to maintain a residence, you know, afford food that's going to keep you healthy and well, access to transportation, et cetera. Um, so any organization that says they want to be improving, you know, the health and wellness of their employees, they should be paying a living wage as much as possible, um, providing excellent time off, making sure there's not too many barriers to taking, you know, rest and recovery, you know, whether it's through sick time or short-term disability, et cetera. Um, I think that's really important. I also think it's really important to talk about power because um, I think a lot of conflict and a lot of tension in workplaces really comes down to just different understandings of power and who has the right and the authority to make a decision or who has power over. Um, so we talk about power a lot at this organization. Um, so that way people understand what my role is, what I'm accountable for, what their role is and what they're accountable for and figuring out the messiness in between. Mm, which is really important. Um, and that's, that's so good. Um, thank you so much for sharing that. I think that, I go next into what's happening at Healthy Minds Cooperative. Um, I know that there's lots of things happening. Um, how can people get involved? Um, how can people get connected with yeah. um, the services that you're offering? And so, yeah. Uh, there's a number of ways. I mean, we're cooperative, and so our cooperative is only as good as our members. And right now we have about 436, 37, I believe. Yeah. So I always encourage people to become members. You don't have to be a member to participate in our programs and services, yeah. uh, but I encourage it. It's $5 for a lifetime membership fee. People can reach that at our website, and that's healthyminds.ca. And the membership page is healthyminds.ca backslash membership. Yeah. Um, so that's one way. I encourage people to follow us on Twitter, um, more so Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn. We're often sharing content there. Sign up for our newsletter. Uh, the other way to engage is join one of our programs. And so we have three that are running pretty consistently. We have a really fabulous mental health writers group. That's every second Ooh, Tuesday, wow. starting October 20th. Yeah, it's run by Anna Kwan, who's just like such a treasure of a person. Right. Uh, and that's runs for 18 sessions over the year. And again, they're free to participate in. You don't have to become a member. Um, we have a peer group for men that's... Um, Every second Wednesday evening, we also have just a regular Peer Connect. Uh, that's every second Wednesday at lunch. We have another program called Affected Others. That's for people who are family members or loved ones of someone who's struggling with addiction. Because there's not enough supports for people who struggle with addiction and substance use disorder, but there's even less supports for their loved ones. Uh, so we run a really cool program in partnership with the Health Authority 
to support parents and friends and family members of someone who's struggling with addiction. So that's a really great program to join. There's another one starting October 18th. Um, but otherwise, yeah, becoming a member and just staying involved and in, in, in engaging with our communications channels is a really great way to stay connected. Um, also love when people donate. You can do that right on our website as well. Uh, yeah, that's probably the best ways to stay involved. Awesome. Thank you so much. Before you go, Tyler, um, it's always good to leave a cool message tip um, with our people, with our community, uh, to inspire them. What do you got for us? Mm -hmm. it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a quote, but it's also a question, and it's from a resource from a website called Decolon Gesturing Towards Decolonial Futures. Um, so if you just go to Decolonial Futures in Google, it should pop up. But they have a series of resources, and one of them, is um, this deck of cards called the Without Modernity Cards. Uh, and so there are a series of reflections and prompts that like can help you think about complex situations or challenges. And they have one that I use all the time. It says, what problems do your solutions reproduce or generate? So I'll read it again. What problems do your solutions reproduce or generate? And the quote really speaks to this idea that as we create interventions or programs or services, there's always a possibility that we're re-perpetuating harm, um, contributing to suffering, or increasing or you know reproducing barriers for access. Um, no intervention or solution is without risk, uh, and I think it's really important in the helping for impact and nonprofit sectors to always be questioning, you know, what other problems might the solution be recreating. Um, so I love that one. Wow, that's an amazing resource. I'm definitely gonna write it down and take that with me in my, in my resource tool pocket. Um, <laughs> so yeah, thank you so much for coming on to the conversation today, Tyler. Much appreciated as always. Um, everyone, thank you so much. We'll see you in the next episode. Remember to continue to be the best version of yourself. Continue to take care of yourself. Continue to have harmony inside <laughs> of what you do in this life. Have a great one and we'll see you at the next. This podcast is funded by the Government of Nova Scotia.